Hey everybody and welcome to week four of our 52 weeks of empowerment. I am Andrea Pagnosi, your host, and I want to welcome you to this week. I'm also fiercely dedicated as a career success coach to seeing everybody realize their true career potential in 2022. I know that it's been a lot of me for the first month. I assure you we're going to have a ton of guests. I really wanted to take this first month to lay a really powerful foundation for the year ahead, starting with operating with an abundance mindset, really getting that foundational mind mapping that you so desperately need when you're trying to go into something positive and you're coming from a place where you really don't want to be. So that was week one. Week two and three were devoted to building your personal brand and I hope you found those powerful reminders of how important it is for us to put our best foot forward when we're trying to get somewhere we're not currently. Personally, then a lack of clarity. It can be totally immobilizing. I mean, there's been a lot of, I don't want to bring up a controversial subject, but it is the subject at hand, COVID-19. Couldn't be more confused about when to mask, where to mask, about the vaccine. I mean, it's bifurcated this entire world. Really, nobody knows what they're doing when or where. And it can be immobilizing. People just don't even leave their house sometimes because they're like, I don't know where I can go, where I'm welcome. When it comes to your career, it's very similar. You feel adrift. You're like, I don't know. I know I don't want to be going to the job I got, but I've got nothing else to fall back on. And you can be coming from a place of intense abundance. You can have a kick-ass brand message, but if you can't clarify what it is you want to do with your life, you can't get anywhere. You feel stuck. So this episode is to unstick you. It's for those of you who don't know where you want to be, but you know you damn well don't want to be where you're at. So we're going to help everyone get super clear about what you'd rather do. And I'm going to give you some tools and some resources to to kind of optimize your determination here. But I got to tell you, these are four simple steps that start the process. Honestly, these can get you started, but mentoring, coaching, networking will help you even further. It is part of a multi-layered approach. So as the year progresses, we're gonna continue to provide those things for you, but it is something you need to lean on your network for. Lean on your peers, lean on mentors. And we're gonna talk a little bit about this. And one of the guests, one of our esteemed guests that we're gonna have in the next couple of weeks is a networking guru. Hang on for that, because that's definitely gonna happen this year. So let's get started with the fourth step. The first step is assessing yourself. I'm gonna start with some statistics. And some of these you may know, but some you might find a little bit shocking. So less than 35% of college graduates actually work within their major when they graduate and get a job. That's less than a third of college kids that went to school, paid an exorbitant price for an education, actually work within that major. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We won't get into those today, but there are. Funny thing is though, the gap only gets wider when you look at higher degrees of education, like masters and PhDs, unless it's really concentrated, like you're already a teacher, you had five years to get a master's degree certification, that's different. But in most cases, if you went back to get a master's or PhD to be more marketable, less than 15% of people get a job within that major. They needed the degree, but not necessarily wanting 
to do for a living what that degree entailed. Now, you close the gap quite considerably when you consider trades, mechanics, electricians, plumbers, that sort of thing. The amount of people going not to college, but into trade schools over the last two years has been high because they were the ones making money still during COVID-19, far fewer layoffs, much greater need for them, but it's still nowhere near 100% long-term. The five-year span of time post getting the trade certification of people actually working within starts to widen again and people start to come away from those trades. It's all because there's this new F word in town and this F word won't get me in trouble with the FCC. It's fulfillment. A lot of people want to blame the pandemic directly for, for job satisfaction, but the really funny part is in 2021, job satisfaction scores actually increased. So why is there this mass exodus? And it's an exodus. In August of 2021 alone, 4.3 million people quit their job. Now, some of them left for other jobs. It's easier to get a job when you have a job. But a lot of people just left. They just left. And the Department of Labor reported in Q4 of last year, 9.3 million people opened small businesses between the year of 2020 and 2021. Some of them were Etsy-like businesses. Some of them were you know, brick and mortar businesses. But I took the opportunity to ask when I started to see these statistics, 50 other entrepreneurs besides myself who opened businesses during that time. And I asked, what was the mitigating factor to leave your day job and start a business? Now, there was a wide range of COVID-related reasons. So I would have to say that the pandemic did play a huge role. They wanted to work in a safe environment where they set their own hours and they weren't subject to taking on other people's work where there were layoffs or illnesses or resignations like they'd experienced in the corporate world. Totally understandable. And that's an amalgamation of the various responses I got. The non-COVID-related reasons were all over the map. My family wasn't happy with me. I was getting a divorce. All of these things that happened as a result of the pandemic. But the actual mitigating factor to leave, the number one reason, non-COVID related reason, was to do something they enjoyed doing. I wasn't, here's the F word, fulfilled. I wasn't fulfilled. So by opening a business and doing something they like doing, it's no shock that the job satisfaction scores went up in the country, right? And these are U.S. studies, I should say that. But here's the drum roll. Of those 50 people that I talked to, 40% of them, and I'll do the math for you, it's 20 people, had no idea what they wanted to do when they left corporate. They just wanted out. And when I asked them, so how did you decide what you ended up doing. Many of them, probably most of them, pointed me in the direction of career assessment tools. They took actual online assessments to determine what it is they wanted to do. One in particular that came up repeated times was a site called The Muse, M-U-S-E, like mouse without the O the muse. And I want to state very clearly, I'm not being monetized. I'm not being financially supported by the muse to promote them. The muse based on their website is a self-proclaimed go-to destination for the next generation workforce to research companies and careers. 
That's what it says on their website. And the people I talked to, many of them would concur. More than a few of them use their career assessments to try. And in the notes portion of our podcast, I'm going to put a link to an article called The Best 11 Career Assessments on the Muse. So you can pinpoint one. And and I took, I spent three hours on the Muse just looking at their resources and looking at, you know, these career assessments. And I took several of them. Some of them are really interesting. They'll ask you very weird questions like, do you like to hammer nails? And do you like to take walks? And I know there's a method behind every assessment, but I found them very valuable. And they justified that I'm doing what I what I set out to do. And it was kind of cool to see that. Some of them are a little more pointed towards specific types of careers. So you have to pick and choose. This could be part of the way that you assess. And another part of the way I would recommend people assessing, and I tell this to my coaching clients all the time, is that you should be asking people you've worked with what your strengths are. Pinpoint your strengths, not your opportunities, because you're looking for your next best career. So what are the things you see me doing that I do best? The Building Your Brand series we just wrapped up over week two and week three, go back and listen to it if you haven't, because it spoke to the importance of networking. And like I said, we're going to have people that is going to be joining us in the next few weeks is going to be a networking guru who can teach us how to use our network effectively. But you can ask mentors, you can ask former managers, you can ask civic leaders, church, synagogue, mosque leaders that may have watched you grow up and see what your best strengths are. If you're young and you don't have a lot of work experience, you might want to ask former sports coaches or even school advisors at the collegiate and high school level. They can be very helpful at helping you pivot to a different career. That's the first step, self-assessment. Once you find out what you're good at, let's identify the things that make you happy doing them. Because just because you're really good at something doesn't mean you like doing. A ton of people that were pushed into playing musical instruments growing up. I have a friend who was basically a virtuoso on the, the violin. And she was forced to do it for years. And she was really, really good at it. I have a, a niece that was an incredibly good Irish step dancer. She was competed in state competitions and national competitions. Neither one of those kids, once they get to be 16, 18 years old, making some of their own decisions, they quit because they felt pressured into doing those things and found no enjoyment. So what you want to do in step two is identify the things that make you happy to do them and recognize concentric circles, things you're good at that you like to do. My husband is a prime example. He grew up in Brazil. He loves to take things apart and put them back together. And so what he did all his life was shadow his father. His father would build cars. He wasn't a mechanic. He did it as a hobby. He built Legos and all kinds of things, Lincoln Logs, played with all these things growing up. So he knew from a very young age that he wanted to build things. So he became a mechanical engineer. But some of us, like myself, take the scenic route. I knew roughly that I wanted to be involved in helping people and maybe even healthcare. I thought I wanted to be in veterinary medicine. I had horrible allergies that kept me out of it. That was a bust. I did a lot of things over time. I worked in laboratories after college and whatever, but I was fortunate enough to go to a college where I was able to get a cooperative education. And what that meant was every other semester, I would get a professional job that the company would be affiliated with my school 
and was able to give me experience in a non-threatening manner. It was for a temporary amount of time. I got to observe the career itself and see if it was something I wanted to do long-term. But not everybody has those opportunities. Identifying the things that make you happy to do them and recognizing concentric circles is just the second step, but it leads into the third, which is a bit of trial and error. When I graduated college, I worked for a short time in a medical lab and I performed research and I was terrible at it. I was really bad at it because there were many other things in the lab I was good at and found a career that I could really excel at. So when you find those concentric circles of what you like to do and what careers are congruent with those things, see if there's a way to connect with someone who actually does those things or jobs that involve both of those things. It's a little harder to do in a virtual world, but it is still possible. If, if at all, lean on your network and say, hey, here's what I like to do. Here's what I'm thinking of doing. I've researched, and by the way, you need to do this, research jobs that fit those concentric circles. I like healthcare. I want to help people. Part of what was in my concentric circle was working in the pharmaceutical and biotech arena. And that's what I did for over 20 years in corporate role. I initially connected with pharmaceutical representatives and people who managed them. And I got people talking. I asked questions about the F word. Here's the F word, job fulfillment. And this is 25 plus years ago. And I asked them, what keeps you up at night? What are the things that when you go to bed at night, you're really proud of? Ask questions like, here's my situation. This is why I'm leaving the current job that I'm in, the current career that I'm in. And here's why I'm interested in the job that you have. Am I even going down the right path? Is there anything you would change about what you do? Anything you wish you'd known sooner? For the entrepreneurs out there, connecting with the competition isn't a bad thing. While they may not show you all of their cards and secrets of making their business a success, sometimes they like to foster an environment of mentoring people. So just ask them, how'd you get started? Did you have money saved? Who helped you? What types of business products do you use? Really tap into people who do what you want to do potentially and do it well and try to feed from their experience feed off of their experience. The fourth step is a really, really important one that so many people don't do. 65% of small businesses fail within the first year, 65. And part of it was so salvageable if they had just done this step four at the onset. And that is take a stepwise approach to transition. You may, while you're observing a job or shadowing somebody and trying to feed off of their experience, get an opportunity to work for that person for a short time and, and really drink in firsthand the experience. That's awesome because I'll tell you why. Lasting change comes from gradually building good habits that graduate into great behaviors. I'm going to say that a second time slower. Lasting change comes from gradually building good habits that graduate into good behaviors, great behaviors. Anything you're doing today that you're running from, you're not going to be able to immediately transition over into something else effectively without doing the first three steps, maybe even getting a certification, 
getting some experience in what you're doing to really pivot towards something seamlessly. If you get overzealous and you cannonball into the deep end of uncharted waters, you could drown. So be cautious, particularly if you're building a new business. Some of the steps I and other entrepreneurs took was to save six to eight months of salary. But with this mass exodus that's going on, those 4.3 million people last August alone that left their business, they're not taking that step necessarily. They're so desperate to get out. They're so burnt out. And if you're burnt out, by the way, moving into a job, you're bringing that baggage with you. Just like if you're burnt out from a relationship, you break up and you go immediately back into another one, you're bringing baggage. You've got to coalesce a little bit. You've got to learn, you've got to, to heal, and then you move in. So saving that six to eight months of, of savings was really, really important to people who have built business as well. You've got to prepare for costs that are going to be different. When you're in a corporate environment, you get benefits paid for you, or at least a portion. As an entrepreneur, suddenly that's a very big expense especially for a family. And that's just one example of the expenses you incur. You have to pay for licensure. Maybe you want an S Corp, maybe you want an LLC. How do you know which one is best for you? So I and many of the entrepreneurs would probably agree, I'm gonna go out on a limb here, but I would say many of them would agree with me, sit down and talk to a financial advisor, an accountant, and legal consultants to help you. They can give you the 411 on things like insurance, nest eggs, 401ks, all of these things that we had to go through. Because of the high percentage of people who fail in small businesses, these are some of the reasons why they didn't think ahead to these things. And now they're scrambling to find jobs in a competitive marketplace to get back into corporate. And they're not going to be any happier when they get back. The other contacts you've made, the experts in the field you wish to work with, they can help you with day-to-day -day logistics social media marketing, advertising, having the right equipment, having the right certification, setting expectations. They can do all of that. But another thing they can help you do, which is super important, is another one of the biggest reasons why businesses fail, is that they don't have a business. They don't. They weren't business people to begin with, so they didn't even think to have a plan. They have a logo. They have an idea of their mission. That's about where it is. But having a solid business plan is critically important. I taught a business planning course in November of last year, and it was well-received. I'm going to bring those people together again in April of this year on a Sunday afternoon and workshop the hell out of a new business plan because it's at that stage that a lot of people are starting to rethink their initial business plan because unforeseen changes may have occurred and they have to rethink their business plan. But if you don't have one to begin with, it's kind of hard to change it, right? So there are many websites online that can get you started, but also tap into those people who've done it prior and have done it well. What do they use? What's the template they use? Maybe they're willing to share it. Whether you're moving into a new job, whether you're opening a business, whether you're just trying to get a promotion, or even work in a different department of the company you're at, having a plan in place is something that should come across in the interview, cursory, but having it down on paper is so necessary towards your success. It doesn't have to be grandiose, it has to be a plan. 
doesn't have to be war and peace, <laughs> just a plan, even a one pager to get you started. And entrepreneurs out there, if you're looking towards obtaining a loan or you want to attract investors in your company, they're going to want to see that plan on paper. So do yourself a solid and check out some of these websites. Again, none of them are monetizing me. None of them are, I, I'm not speaking on behalf of them to promote them, but I did my research and these are some of the best I've seen. Liveplan.com, score.org, HubSpot, all of these websites, just Google business plan template and you can download free files or build your own. Most of these include a general description of your business, how many customers you project to have, what's your vision or mission, financial goals, money out and money in, like how much money are you going to have to invest in the company, if you have to buy capital equipment, if you have to do any of these things, and how much money are you planning to earn, right? Which can be a little wonky if you don't have an idea. You may have this like pipe dream of having a million clients, but that's not rational. Talk to the people that ran your type of business to get an idea. That can help you prepare for greatness and hold you accountable to your deliverables and give you a better laid plan to success because it's been proven to work for other people. Might not work for you, but it might help you out. So there you have it. The four key steps to realizing your next best career. Number one, personal assessment, either with an assessment or trusted advisor. And I would recommend both. The second part is to find the concentricities between what you enjoy doing and what people have identified or assessments have identified as your key strengths. Number three, observe and learn from people and programs who've done it well or set you up for success, especially considering you may need a certificate to do other things. And number four, and most importantly, formulate a stepwise approach to transition. Realizing that none of this happens overnight and being thoughtful about transitions helps increase the odds of you doing it seamlessly. That's all we have for you this week. We'll reconnect next week, same time, same place, more power. <laughs>